Welcome to the Systems and Workflow Magic Podcast, where I help entrepreneurs go from scattered to streamlined in their creative businesses. I'm your host, Dolly DeLong, a wife, a mom, and a photographer turned systems educator. Join me every week as we have conversations centered around creating tactical workflows and automations in your business. Now, let's make some strategic workflow magic. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Systems and Workflow Magic podcast. I am your systems and workflow BFF and guide, Dolly DeLong. And you all, I am thrilled to get to introduce the one and only Abigail Pumphrey from Boss Project today on the podcast. To say I'm fangirling is an understatement, and I'm just really, really excited about having Abigail on. And before I embarrass myself and Abigail, I'm just going to let her do a little introduction of herself because she's an amazing person. So welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dolly. I'm Abigail Pumphrey. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Boss Project. I have been working online for myself since 2015. The years just seem to go by faster and faster. And when I started my business, I was a brand designer and was working with small businesses, mostly locally, on brand design, website design. And I booked out my boutique and was really busy working one-on-one with design clients So much so that I really enjoyed sharing the process of what it was like to sell and how to get clients and get new leads and build an audience and all of these things. And so everything that I was doing, I was turning around and teaching how it was working for me and how I was able to get to that point. And that's how Boss Project was born. It was sort of born on accident. It was never necessarily my intention to build an education company when this all began, but Today, I am so thankful that we have worked with over 30,000 clients from all over the world. We have taught people how to build businesses ethically and sustainably online so that more and more people can create profit and really fuel the life that they want, one that they're allowed to prioritize their family and their life first and really build something that's in alignment with their personal goals as those evolve and change over time. And so it's been a really fun journey. I've done pretty much every kind of offer there is in the online business world and launched a million different ways. So I'm really excited to dig into today's podcast. Thank you again for agreeing to be on the podcast today. And I'm really, really excited to, of course, learn from you and for others to get to know you more just in case they're new to your business, to your brand. And I just want to say, I am so, I personally am so happy that you accidentally landed in education years ago because I've learned so much from you. Well, thank you. Literally, I've learned so much from you. So I'm excited about this conversation. So just so everyone knows, before we hit record, I was asking Abigail, hey, like you have literally experienced the full gambit of launching and you've launched a lot of different various aspects from your business, uh, digital products, services, one-to-one services, like group programs, like everything. And she's also experienced the 
the launch emotional roller coaster that a lot of people don't talk about. It's people are starting to talk about it now, but mostly people just see the highlight reel on Instagram and on social media, like the that six, seven, eight figure launch that everybody wants. And so I wanted to chat about your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly of your experiences and like what you'd want to share with either brand new business owners who are learning about what launching is to maybe even I have a lot of business owners who listen into this podcast who are in the messy middle of their business. They are slowly piecing together like what they the systems, the workflows, the SOPs they need um, to impact the back end of their business. And in this series, we're talking about the the systems, the workflows, the SOPs of launching, and just like how to piece it together as a solo business owner. So I know you're going to give us like a good like gauge, reality check gauge of like what we should be expecting realistically. Yeah, I mean, to to give you full transparency, I've had launches that have made everything from zero dollars to losing fifty thousand dollars to making well over six figures and everything in between. Some of these launches have been the thrill of a lifetime. Some have been incredibly hard and painful. Others have been devastating. Um, And everything in between. Some have been really easy to execute. Some have been like very low stress, low impact. Some have been very curated and really thought out in advance. I've launched on autopilot where I wasn't in the office while the launch was happening. I've launched very much like in the moment where I'm building things as we're going along. And it just really has depended on what the offer was, the seasonality of what's going on in my own personal life and business. And what the marketplace looks like. And those all shift and change on their own timeline and schedule. And they don't always necessarily all agree with each other on the direction you should go. But I will say for those of you who are just starting out, I think it's really critical that you focus less on what you think should be happening what you think is required for you to be successful, or even setting an arbitrary goal. Not that you can't have goals, not that you can't strive for something, but I would much rather you try something and learn from it and utilize that information to execute again in the future than you to try something and feel like it didn't work because I didn't hit this metric and forget about ever launching that product or launching in this way again, because often the method is not necessarily the issue. Sometimes it's not even the offer, you know, and I think we start blaming a lot of different things. It's the price point. It's how I sold it. It's how many emails I did. It's how many social posts I put out into the world. And it could be any combination of those things, but often some of the switches are much more simple than we give them credit for. Can we unpack the switches? Yeah. I just want to dig more into that if that's okay with you. Yeah. So one of the things that I really love talking about with any business owner, regardless of what it is that you're selling, it doesn't matter if you're selling a service, 
a digital product, a group membership, a course, regardless, you have to be able to clearly articulate what is the problem that you're solving for your ideal client. And typically when I see low sales, unless there's like, like you're not getting in in front of enough people, unless traffic is literally so, so low, more often than not, the issue really comes down to messaging. And so it's not necessarily what the offer is, but it's how you're talking to the right person. And I either see people making it try to apply to too many people or they try to make the offer so broad that it solves all of these problems and people don't really necessarily know if it really connects with them. Or, you know, we're in kind of a weird economical time right now and people really can't imagine six months, nine months, 12 months into the future. And so I see people making smaller commitments on smaller ideas. And so maybe the concept of what you're trying to get them to accomplish in the the service or offer is too much. And like, what if you bought a bit off a smaller piece of the puzzle? And so before you go shrinking or growing your offer or changing the components of what's included or the deliverables, I would always try a messaging change before I would change the offer. You obviously put this offer into the world because you believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, then we probably need to back up and work on that first. But assuming you believe that this thing can get results for people and it's going to unlock something for them, then we need to work on sharing that story and really making it clear who this is for and why it's meaningful to them and what sort of transformation they're going to have in store for themselves. And the clearer you can be about this, the better. And often if we can tie it back to things that people tend to spend the most on, we will we will really have a home run. People love to buy things that are related to growing their wealth, saving them time, improving their relationships, or improving their health. And if we can do one of those things, we are going to make a really big impact and really can focus in on it. But it doesn't have to be a ton of any one of those areas. It can be a little snippet and it can make a really big difference. I really like that you brought up the going back to messaging. And then I was literally, I made a note while you were talking to ask you for some messaging tips, but you literally, for the listeners or the viewers, Abigail just shared some great tips about messaging, like, Remind yourself of who it's for. Think about the transformation. Get super clear, like laser focused. And because like she shared, like that would be better. And then also focus on, and correct me if I'm wrong, wealth, health, and relationships. Because those are the one of the three things that people tend to spend the most time and energy and money focusing on. Is that correct? Yeah, health, wealth, and relationships. I would say like the fourth kind of like annex, but not quite as much is happiness, but it's t- it tends to be harder to 
illustrate and harder yeah. to sell. So health, wealth, and relationships are definitely going to be the easiest things to um, align someone with. But people definitely spend money on their happiness all the time. There's a reason you go to Starbucks on a random Tuesday to brighten your day. Like you just do it because you want to be happy. It's generally not because you need a caffeine fix. If you really needed a caffeine fix, there's a million other ways you can make that happen. But you chose that coffee spot on that day to enjoy it. And so those tend to be more purchases that are last second, a little more in the moment. But in terms of like planned or bigger purchases or even high ticket purchases, people are going to spend much more on health, wealth and relationships. Okay, can I just pick your brain for a little bit or not necessarily pick your brain, just ask you this, because maybe this will encourage my listeners, because again, we like my listeners are like in the beginning stages of their business, or again, in the messy middle. And we can I know me, specifically, I can get really hard on myself if I don't understand a concept right away. I just get so furious with myself. I'm like, you should know these things, Dolly. But when the things start clicking in for the importance of messaging, like how did that journey look like for your business? Like, what did you have to do in order to take the necessary steps to start honing in on your messaging? Does that make sense? Does that question? Yeah, no, it does make sense. I would consider myself a little bit of a unicorn. And I want to acknowledge that. Like, I am not necessarily brilliant. I would like to think I'm smart and I have done a lot of savvy you are, things. You are very <laughs> smart. I, I will toot your horn for you. But some of this does come down to timing. And I came into the landscape when small businesses were really starting to get featured more often online education, at least for my industry, was very new. And there was a couple of people who had been doing this longer, but most of them were targeting more corporate audiences and very few were targeting small business and even fewer still were targeting women in business. And so I, I'm i kind of a dinosaur when it comes to this online landscape. I've been doing this a long time and I recognize that I've been doing it a long time. I also recognize that I was willing to try a lot of things with no expectation of outcome. And so when I say try a lot of things like I need you to understand the volume in which I created because I, yes, tried a lot of messaging, but it wasn't necessarily because I thought I need to try a lot of messaging. That was literally not the goal. It was in order to get in front of the right people, the representation that I had been shown was content creation. So the majority of my audience actually started a business first. They started a business, they built a business they're selling the thing. They likely have a local network that they began with. They got their product or service out into the world. And now they're trying to utilize online to grow. I had the exact opposite, you know, progression. I built an online audience by initially blogging five days a week. I was posting on Instagram three to five times a day before stories even were a thing, before reels were a thing. I started a podcast when women in podcasting was very new. Like all of these things were hitting on volume. And if you don't know what's going to work, <laughs> often the best way to find out is to put a lot out there and see what's resonating. 
And so while I wouldn't necessarily say I was super intentional and had all of this insight into, oh, I need to hone in on my messaging. It was, I'm going to try this and that and this and that. And I'm not going to worry about what works. I'm just going to pay attention to what works and try to do more of that and continue to show up consistently in the same place for a very long period of time. And over time, it it worked and it was very successful. And so I definitely create less than I did before because I would consider myself more of a business owner now than I was eight years ago. And so that's fine. But yeah. it was definitely a different approach and allowed me to get out in front of people. So, you know, if you have time, then sure, create a lot of stuff and see what sticks and and pay attention to what resonates with people. But if time is where you're lacking, you're going to have to be a lot more intentional with how you show up, where you show up, and really making sure that it's going to be high impact. And it depends on your goals. Do you want to be in front of a large group of people? Or do you want to make enough revenue to support your family and that's it. Like there's no right or wrong for what your goal has to be. Not everyone needs to be a millionaire. Not everyone needs to be a seven or eight figure business owner. You can have a business that supports you and your family. And that is amazing. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me take you off on that tangent. That was, I was just curious what, what you would have to say, but I wanted to go back to the concept of the small switches a person can make in their sure. business. So you had mentioned messaging. Is there anything else that you would like to share for these small, tangible switches? Yeah. So I think the other thing I would try is your method in which you're selling. So not necessarily changing what you're selling again, but how you're selling it. If you're trying to post just on social to get someone to buy, what would it look like if you sent them to a short video about it or a webinar? Or if you're selling services and you're trying to get people to fill out a form and you want them to just like move through this process asynchronously, what would happen if you tried putting them through a discovery call and sales call? I would be willing to experiment with the method in which you're trying to convert. And the ways in which people convert tend to follow a lot of trends. And there's a lot we can be learning about what's working in other businesses that we can apply to our own. Because ultimately, the buyer journey should not be a surprise. And I think that's what people need to come to grips with, this is not the place to be original. Like how you sell should not be totally pioneering a new method. I mean, could you? Sure. But you're going to hit a lot more road bumps. You're going to have to spend a lot more money testing things and try a lot more things. You're way more likely to be successful by using methods that other people have spent a lot of time perfecting and testing and take from those methods and apply them to your business in a way that's reasonable. You know, I was not ask. everything needs to be sold in the same way. It just doesn't. That's so true. I was then, okay, but I know we're going all over the place. I'm it's so right. sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, you just like mentioned two different things. I'm like, I want to talk. I want to dig into the, that, the buyer journey. I love that you 
you literally, literally said people need to come to grips with how you sell should not be pioneering a new method. And so do you have any recommendations of resources, of books, of like how like we could be diving into like what is a good buyer's journey resource that you would recommend? Of course, like I'm I know this, but I have listeners that are brand new to this. I think it really depends on what it is that you're trying to sell. But in terms of buyer's journey, regardless of what you're selling, everyone goes through the same couple of phases. They go through from not knowing who you are at all to some sort of awareness level of, oh, I know who this person is. I've seen them before. I've seen them around. I've been to you go from awareness to engaged. So at that point, someone would potentially become a prospect to you because they've engaged with your content or engaged with you personally. And then beyond engagement, you will typically have an actual lead. So there's some sort of exchange of information, whether they provided an email address, filled out a lead capture form, indicated interest in what you sell specifically. So I'm not necessarily talking about a lead magnet here. A lead magnet would indicate a prospect typically. A lead needs to be tied towards interest in something that's for sale. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, the sales process will vary depending on how you're selling. However, they go from lead to buyer and then buyer to advocate. Um, and the the lead to buyer tends to be the part that people hyper focus on, which I get because that's where the exchange of money tends to happen. But if this is working, if you're getting any sales at all, you can improve the earlier parts of the process and that will naturally improve buying. So if you're like, I'm getting two sales a day and I want 10 sales a day, well, what would happen if you had five times the amount of people aware of who you are? Yeah. And spending more time at the top rather than so focused on converting. It shouldn't be hard to get someone to say yes to what it is that you do. And if it is, you're trying to sell to someone who might not be an ideal fit. And I would much more rather you spend time, parts of the process that are going to attract the right people that make the sale a total no-brainer. Because when the sale is a total no-brainer, it feels good for them. It feels good for you. There's a lot of alignment and synergy happening, and they're way more likely to become your advocate, singing your praises and telling everyone they know about what it is that you do. And so in terms of what are the mechanisms, there's a million ways to create awareness. There's a lot of different ways to interact and engage with prospects. There's a ton of different ways to capture leads. There's a ton of different ways to convert a lead to a sale. Those methods all tend to vary by industry, by product type, and by how much focus you have on business first or content creation first, because the method would change pretty significantly, but they all have the same overall journey. And so my my biggest kind of piece of advice here is as long as you're getting sales, back up one to two steps. How did the people who converted, how did the people who said yes, who bought your thing, how did they find you? How did they discover you? 
How did they get to know you existed? And what was their journey like? And how can you improve that journey for more people so that you can get more buyers like the one you already have? And I guess that kind of goes back to our maybe in my mind, I'm tying it to the messaging. You're like tweaking your messaging further back. Is that correct with your content? It's not necessarily tweaking your messaging. It might even be doing something at that level. Like a lot of people. So the problem I tend to see people having when they're moving, especially from like a service-based business only to including a digital product or some sort of one-to-many offer in the mix is they have never spent time on awareness level marketing. They have fully waited for someone to already know they exist and then they market to them from that point. And so when you only need four or five leads a month to book out your services with two or three clients, Awareness level marketing is not something you tend to spend any time on because it's not necessary and you're going to be booked out anyway. And so people tend to get really frustrated because they're like, well, no one's buying. And it's probably it's probably because you sold to everyone who was already going to purchase from you and you need to grow the pot of people that know you exist. And so it may be trying methods that you aren't yet doing in your business and backing up a level that you previously haven't spent time on. And it's the difference between discovery content or discovery kind of marketing and nurture. You Most people spend 80, 90% of their time on nurture level marketing. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's amazing because it yeah. gets people to buy but if those sales start to slow down or those leads start to slow down, it's because your awareness is not growing fast enough to support the level of sales that you're producing. If you are listening to this episode live, I have some time sensitive news to share with you today. After listening to this week's episode, I really want you to head on over to the show notes and get on the wait list for the systems and workflow magic bundle, the 4.0 launch edition today. Yes, you heard me right. The popular bundle is back, but in 4.0 form. So if you are ready to sprinkle in some strategies and puzzle pieces and SOPs and workflows of learning how to apply launching into your business to better impact 2024 and hopefully beyond, get ready, my friend, because coming February 5th, through February 9th of 2024, you are going to have access to over 28 plus experts who are going to be contributing different launching resources to help you grow in knowledge, understanding, and confidence in how to implement launching in your own business. Now, this bundle includes resources that will help you out with the puzzle pieces of planning out your own launch to pre-launch planning, to actual launch week planning, to what the heck to do after the post-launch, because there are different phases. I specifically dreamed up this bundle after witnessing and hearing so many creative-minded business owners struggle with knowing where to begin in the planning process of launching a service or digital product 
or maybe you have a product or service and you don't understand all the moving parts involved in launching, or maybe you just feel overwhelmed and you want guidance with where to begin. Either way, this bundle is chock full of resources, mini courses, templates, blueprints, all with the mission of helping you get started with launching. And yes, especially if you are a team of one and are running the show on your own. So you don't want to miss out on the systems and workflow magic bundle, the 4.0 launch edition. So head on over to systemsandworkflowmagic.com to get on the wait list or head over to the show notes today. Let me ask you this question. Is 2024 the year you learn more about launching and how to apply the principles and strategies of launching to your own business? I certainly hope so. And as always, stay streamlined and strategic with your workflows, your SOPs, and strategies. You amazing muggle you. I'll see you in the launch bundle. That's Wow, Abigail, I feel like I should just like send you money because this is like a coaching session with me. (laughs) This is amazing. Okay, then I was also going to, the second part of this question was like from buyer's journey, but then how do you know how to gauge trends and not only infuse it in your business, everyday business, but then in the scope of launching, like from your experience, how, how, like, how do you know? I don't know. This is like a very, very layered question. I realize I'm asking you <laughs> because, because it changes all the time. But how do you, from your experience, how do you know when to actually jump on a trend versus when to do something that would work for your ideal client? Does that make sense? Mm. So do I think there's certain trends that only work for certain ideal clients? Sometimes, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. I, I've seen a lot of people apply a trend to wild audiences I would have never thought it would work with. And sometimes the wilder the comparison, the better it works because it's just so new to that industry. But it's like yeah. working like gangbusters over here. So don't be afraid to apply a method you haven't seen done in your industry, but you see it working super well somewhere else. The thing with trends, I. I saw this quote from this woman and I have just like latched onto it. I wish I knew her name. I have no idea who said this originally, but she mentioned that trends are like a sushi conveyor belt and you're in a fancy restaurant and you get to choose what you're hungry for. And we can just let some pass by. And that doesn't mean that we're missing out because we're still going to have an incredible meal that's curated by ourselves. And so regardless if you like sushi or not, You don't necessarily have to prescribe to any specific trends. And you deciding to pursue them, it is an experiment. Every time it's an experiment. It's you being willing to put yourself out there and do something. Now, here's the thing. With most trends, there tends to be a life cycle to them that come and go over time. Some trends will last a really long time, like multiple years, Some trends will last days, hours. Some trends will last months. It just, it just totally depends on what we're talking about. But we're, when we're talking about sales trends, Mm -hmm. sales trends to tend to have a little bit longer lifespan than like social trends. So 
And we're talking about sales trends. There's there's ways that people have been selling for a long time. And then there's new methods of sales. The big thing with it is y'all aren't committing to shit. <laughs> and so I, not to be harsh, but trends tend to not work when you don't keep doing them. It's like, oh, you did one webinar and it didn't convert. Oh, you did one reel and it didn't convert. Oh, you did one whatever, like insert anything. Yes. And like, if you see it working for someone else, it can work for you. But you still have to figure out your recipe for the thing. You know what I mean? Like, we can all bake our own chocolate chip cookies. But like, how many years does it take your grandma to get like the perfect recipe that you just pass down from generation to generation? You have to take time honing in on your specialty and how you apply it to that specific trend. And you have to have a willingness to keep going, even when results are meh. Mm-hmm. or non-existent because it it could be one of a million things and so you know if you're talking about social trends it, it could be as simple as you posted it at a weird time and you didn't get someone to interact with it in the first 10 seconds and then it flopped but if you posted the same thing two hours later it could have been viral like you literally don't know why And there's no one going to sit there and going to be like, this is why it didn't work. Now, some people will try to tell you that and they may have some really decent guesses, but no one actually knows. And so you just have to be willing to keep trying the same thing. And so if you're talking about committing to a trend on sales trends, I would say you need to commit to a strategy for at least three months for you to really know if it's going to work for you. But you have to be making changes pretty frequently during that initial time period. If we're talking about a webinar, you want to market it enough that you can get enough people there to know if the deck is going to convert. If you don't have enough people there, then your problem is traffic, not necessarily knowing if the deck works. Like, So it, it all depends. But I want you to commit. And the only way you're going to commit is if the thing is actually in alignment with how you want to show up. Mm -hmm. And I think so often the reason things don't work is because people are trying to commit to things that are either out of alignment from like a time or ways they want to show up or whatever, or sometimes out of integrity. Like you genuinely feel like deep down, you're like, I feel kind of ick about this. Then why are you doing it? Yeah. Like, Because if you feel ick about it, that's going to come across and you're not going to sell. But the same person, someone else is going to be like, this totally jives with how I want to show up and I'm excited about it. And they're going to show up more authentically than you trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And so like you got to be mindful of those gut intuitions that are guiding you. And it doesn't mean giving up on something it means paying attention to when it doesn't feel right in terms of launching then can you give a tangible example from your experience from your launching life experience of when it was all aligning really well for you and like you tried certain trends or like just everything was in alignment versus a launch where 
things were like the shiz was hitting the fan, but you kept on going and it was not in alignment. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes what's in an alignment in a season will not feel in alignment later. And that can be really frustrating. Yeah. So there was a time period in my business where I launched every two weeks. And that sounds wild. <laughs> but I would, I would market a webinar for a week and then I would sell to the people who attended for a week. And then I would market a webinar for a week and then sell to the people who attended a webinar for a week. And I did this every two weeks for almost a year. And I had so much fun. I was going through six or seven different webinar decks and doing this alongside my business partner. And we had such great synergy and we got so excited about the people that were showing up and there. And not all of these launches made a ton of money, but like the energy I felt from being in the room with people and hearing how they were interacting with their content, it really made a big difference in how I wanted to show up because I felt like I was part of something. It felt like I was part of a community. And now like that sounds so exhausting. <laughs> like it's so exhausting. And, you know, in terms of trends, show up rates for a live anything are about half of what they were even a couple of years ago mm -hmm. regardless of how great of your job you are it like the, the trend is just less people show up because they're expecting a replay they're expecting to be able to have access to it they're expecting all of these things because of the way we've taught them to consume in the past now in terms of something that was out of alignment i I want to be mindful that sometimes things that are out of alignment will still work. Yeah. And so I sold a group coaching program. Love my group coaching program. It has nothing to do with the actual program. It had to do with the sales method. And so we had an application process that would have people, we would have people go through and then we were social selling. So we were going on Instagram, having a conversation with qualified leads, getting them to go watch a training and having conversation. Here's the thing. It was super in alignment for me to be having quality conversations one-on-one -on -one with people. Amazing. I felt so great about it. They had a great experience. I had a great experience. The problem was I had no personal time left. The only time that my audience tended to be active and available was between 6 p.m. at night and 11 p.m. at night because most of these people are working, working full time either in their business or in corporate and so they were really great about not responding during the day because they're doing their job as they should be but that meant that I was doing my job all day and then I was talking all night to people that like, I, and I loved it. So that was the conflict. It's like, I enjoyed the conversations. I had great conversations. I developed great relationships and it like degraded my personal time. I was tapped out. I was burnt out. I didn't feel like I had any rest. I was really looking forward to weekends, but I would like blink and they would be over and it didn't work for me. And so I did that for a lot longer than I probably should have. But 
it, it can be so strange to have something that is so effective mm-hmm. and feels good for part of it and also still is out of alignment with how you want to run your company. And yeah. so you'll have to make hard choices in your business. And some will challenge you to figure out how can you show up differently when three quarters of how you're doing it is good. And so that 25% is still going to impact you more than you realize. And so pay attention to those nuances. Gotcha. Abigail, I could go on and on. I know like we have been chatting for over 45 minutes now. That's incredible. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your launch experiences and sharing more, like going deeper about the buyer's journey, talking about sushi conveyor belts. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you like presented a lot of things that I know my listeners, even myself, we are going to be chewing on for a while and like, I think like when it comes down to it is just knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves and like what you were saying, like, how do you ideally want to show up in your business? What are your own personal goals for your life and for your business? Because those can go hand in hand and that that could also bleed into like how you choose to launch. And so I'm personally glad that I've said this over and over again in this series, but there's no one blueprint roadmap for launching. Like listeners, please know that Abigail has experienced everything and she's still learning and she's still growing in her own launch experiences. I'm assuming I'm, I'm talking 100%. Right now. Um, but it, it's just really encouraging and it's a breath of fresh air for, for a business owner like me. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing like a little bit of your experiences with us. And do you mind sharing two things? One, more about your membership, because I really want listeners to hear more about like what you have to offer, where people can find you, how people can connect with you and work with you. Yeah. So I launched the Creative Template Shop in 2020. And the co-op is our membership portion of that site. And the co-op was originally designed to help people save time. We were designing materials that were going to improve their sales process, their client experience, their social presence, all of those things. And I felt like something was missing. And I didn't necessarily know what it was for a long time. And then I knew what it was and I was afraid to commit to what it was because I met a ton of changes to how I show up in my business. But This fall, I've made a ton of changes, and I am so, so excited about everything the co-op is turning into and everything it will continue to become now and into the future. And I want it to be a place where we can really combine all of the tools and the strategies that you need to be profitable and sustainable online. And our goal isn't necessarily to give you a roadmap that is super specific or prescriptive, but allow you to pick and choose the adventure that makes the most sense for who you are and where you're at and provide the ongoing support you need to align you with the resources that are right for you. And so you can come in our community and ask questions and say, hey, I'm working on this. And there's bound to be a tool or a resource. We have a combination of incredible core curriculum, mini courses, workshops, the whole nine. There's there's more content in there than I dare you to consume. But 
my goal is to provide something that's accessible and that will really allow you to continue to thrive over a long period of time. And I want to create an environment where you can be that whole person. You can be the person that's excited and ready and going and doing the things and the one that's stressed and the one that's anxious and the one that has real life happen and the one that has to deal with clients that have you have uncomfortable conversations. I want you to be able to be that whole person and not just the shiny, beautiful parts because you're you and you are special just the way you are and you're allowed to have bad days and we want to be there for all of it. And so if you're interested in seeing more about what that looks like, you can go to creativetemplateshop.com and check it out. I would love to have you and I'm really excited to see all the things you do in the future. And if you want a free resource to kick things off, I definitely would encourage you to head over to my podcast, The Strategy Hour. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. I listen all the, this is not, Abigail has not paid me to say this, but you all, I subscribe to her podcast. I listen all the time. It's great. And you guys will definitely learn so much from her and her experience and she keeps it real. You keep it real, Abigail, which I appreciate so much. And then finally, my final question is, can you share with the listeners, the viewers, how, what you will be contributing to the Systems at Workflow Magic Bundle, the launch edition? Yeah. So we have the ultimate launch bundle, which I, I'm just super excited about. It's a combination of launch graphics and social templates and mock-ups and a planner and all of the bits and pieces you need to look fantastic throughout your launch and really have tangible things that are going to help you move forward in a meaningful way, regardless of the kind of offer that you're launching. I wanted to create something that would be good for all product types. So definitely check out the bundle. I'm super excited. And I, I don't really do things halfway. So like, no, you don't. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast, for sharing so many bits and tidbits and like for letting me take you on all the tangents. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are listening and are watching, everything will be in the show notes. So that way you can stay connected with both me and Abigail. And will you please send us both a DM and let us know what points you enjoyed from this episode, what aha moments you had. I I definitely experienced a lot of aha moments myself. I was taking loads of notes while Abigail was talking, and I'm really excited about re-listening. And again, this is my awkward way of wrapping up. Thank you so much for coming, and you all continue to stay streamlined and magical, you amazing mugglies, you, and I will talk to you all next week with a new podcast episode. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Systems and Workflow Magic Podcast. You can find full show notes from today's episode at dollydelongphotography.com forward slash podcast. If you're loving the podcast, I'd be so honored if you'd subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. Be sure to screenshot this episode, share it to your stories, and tag me at dollydelongeducation over on Instagram. Until next time, go make some strategic workflow magic.